Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. And you are joined by Danuta and my fabulous co-host, Lawson, Lawson, good morning and welcome for a new week. Yes, I am incredibly glad to be here with you in the Breakfast Show studio, getting it done, living our best lives. That's cool. That's so good. What did you get up to over the weekend? What did I get up to over the weekend? Well, we had the prayer vigil at Hillview Church on Mm. Saturday night. That was really special. We had the end of week of prayer. Um, So just really beautiful prayer time together and fellowship time and singing and really digging into God's word. Um, So that was was just really beautiful and yesterday I loved sitting outside what I'm grateful for is just our fountain out the backyard yeah by the pagola by the pagola sitting with hubby strumming him strumming the guitar and I was just chatting away that's cute cute and (laughs) romantic like and wow that's awesome recharge time I love I love water anything to do with water I love yeah yeah what about you did you get some rest because you're still not 100% well I did I I got some rest uh I did some study over the weekend it's pretty pretty uneventful pretty standard just just resting and studying and and getting trying to get what i need to to get done done and then uh and then yeah today back to uni again and and just smashing it out just getting essays done preparing for exams it's kind of the it's kind of the vibe that's that's kind of what's going on right now so hey such as life. It's that really heavy, tricky time, isn't it? Like yeah, October absolutely. is just full of the heavy assignments and then going straight into exams. Yeah. I remember those study times very yeah. clearly. But hey, <laughs> by mid-November, you know, right now it's October 16th, mid-November we should be should be Bang, done. It's, all it's, over. It's, it's over <laughs> and look forward to, to break and holidays and and hanging out and chilling out and and 2024 like like we're almost finished October like we're almost finished 2023 which is I I am perplexed by I, I cannot believe that the year has gone by so far and coming up on our show today we have our interview with Justin Lawman looking at politics and prophecy once again in our new segment we're looking at good food for the eyes we're also um, talking about chaplaincy. And in our Bible study time, we're continuing God's mission, my mission, and we're looking at God's call to mission. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Lawson, it's the start of a whole new week. We always love that, don't we? Because yes. Because it means new quiz questions. Yes, of course. New prizes mm-hmm. and just really exciting stuff. So how about you take it away, please, for our first quiz question for today? Yeah, our first question is simply this. What other verb did Jesus say we should do in prayer during his Sermon on the Mount besides Asking and seeking. So mm. Jesus, he's preaching on the mount, and he says, when you pray, ask and seek and do something else. What is that other thing? If you know the answer, hey, 0491-064-669. Again, our number is 0491-064-669. Danuna, what is our prizes for today? Our prize for today, we've actually got two this week, oh, uh, which is really exciting. Because we're super 
generous here Absolutely. and we love giving you stuff. Absolutely. So the first one is the book called Convicted. It's the first time um, we're basically by Melanie Shricknell Bachman. Mm-hmm. The first time sent to prison, the second time set free. About a wow. um, fellow who was a juvenile delinquent, an angry kid with no reason to play by rules. His mission in life is to actually wreak havoc anywhere and every time. And his parents were afraid of him and his teachers actually hated him. Wow. Um, but without me actually, before I actually continue much more, that's the one we've actually got a short clip on, haven't we, Shell? Yeah. So we're going to play that to you and then we'll tell you the second song as well. He was a troublemaker, an angry kid with no reason to play by the rules. Huh? What, 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 Not sure what, what happened, happened there, there a bit of tech, tech yeah. problems there, but anyway, you got some of the first lines anyway. <laughs> so it'll come back, we'll let you know when that comes back. But then basically, you know, everything doesn't it doesn't um, turn out the right way. And yes, he was solitary in confinement that he first tasted true freedom, first felt that there was any purpose to his life. Um, and one copy of the Living Bible in the hands of this were actually bored. T- this bored teenager had an effect on him, on his life, and mm. so it actually looks as he's changed life um, yeah. of what he has. So moving from a juvenile delinquent to actually being given a Bible and the cha- amazing, amazing change in his life. And here on a Faith FM, of course, we so often talk about how God transforms lives. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what this story is actually all about. Mm. Then the second one, this one's by Roger Morneau. He writes a lot oh, on this classic. particular topic, hey. And it's actually, the book is a, a trip into the supernatural. Um, mm. And basically it looks at the effects of the supernatural. Now we talk a lot again about what happens behind, the, what, not so much behind the scenes, but the effects of Satan and his angels in this mm. world. And so Roger Morneau is an absolute expert in this area. He's written quite a number of books. Have you read any of his books? Yeah, I, I've listened to his testimony. I've I've read some of his books. Like he is, he's a world expert because of his experience in that area. And that being that before he was a convicted Christian mm. who's you know living his life to reach others with the message of the gospel he was very much like a Satanist and a spiritualist and and working you and know so he with understands these groups it. and was very much exposed to yeah. all of these crazy supernatural things uh, but God was able to reach him which is the amazing part of his story and now he is kind of preaching and informing others and and I love the way that he does it too because I I, I feel as though it, the supernatural is one of those things where, and and particularly like evil spirits and, and spiritualism, it's like uh, sometimes, and it, it it just the way that he shares it just very much puts it in the light of hey, but Jesus is the best option. Absolutely, like, keep, just he talks keep about turning back to Jesus. It's like oh hey, these things exist, but keep turning back to Jesus. Keep turning back to Jesus, recognizing that as much as we can explore something like that, our number one best option is not to to stand here and think oh I've got to I've got to be you know constantly fighting and, and battling and standing up to these things on our own. No, but we can we stand we beat evil by finding ourselves in Christ. So that's right. Very powerful stuff. Both Standing of these books. Standing firm in God. That's right. Both of these books, amazing. And amazing. we'll be promoting them throughout this week because you'll win them as a result of answering questions correctly. And again, our first question for this week, what other verb did Jesus say we should do in prayer during his sermon on the Mount besides asking and seeking? 0491 064 669 is the number to call.
That's it. And hey, going to some good news. We always like to start the day with good news, don't we? Absolutely. Right. What's so happening? Tell me. Good news. Do you, you know, when you think of food for the eyes, uh-huh. as in good food, uh-huh. that we know helps the eyes to, okay. to be good. Okay, okay. okay food that, not food, not food I know that where your mind is. <laughs> not food <laughs> that looks good, but like food food that helps your eyes. Yeah, yeah, because I know where you went. Like you're already starting to like, because you love food. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I keep I mean, saying I, I, I think everyone likes love, food, But right? no, no, like, you exceptionally oh, oh, love okay. food. Okay. All right, okay, fair <laughs> okay. enough. And so your mind was going, okay, what am I going to see on the table as I'm looking? Oh, yeah, right? okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but what food do you know is, or, or you know, is re- we know is really good for the eyes? Well, the, the classic one is carrots, right? Right. Every, everyone's like, yeah, if you eat carrots, it's good. It's good for your eyesight. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, it is. So here's the interesting thing: some researchers in Singapore have actually found that it's not just the carrots that are particularly uh-huh. good, but grapes are actually really. Oh, that good. is fantastic! Now, are you a news. lover of grapes? I love grapes. Uh, Grapes, what, like green grapes, would have to be like my favorite fruit. They're your absolute bar favorite. none, bar none. True, like, abs- hey, Shil's, absolutely. Shell's nodding. It's, I'm outnumbered this morning. It, what? What's your favorite fruit? My favorite fruit. I love mango. I never used to love mango, but I love mango. So when I get to heaven. I'm going to sit under a mango uh, tree. Okay. Apart from sitting with Jesus, nah, but I'm going to sit under a mango tree. You can do that alone because but, uh, I, I have to admit, <laughs> mango is by far my least favorite fruit. Oh, all the more for me in heaven. Yeah, like, you, can, <laughs> you can have it. You can have it. I'm going to I'm gonna eat my green grapes. Oh, oh there you go. So okay. Good. Well, any mango fans out there, or what is your favorite? Actually, text us in on 0491064669. What is your favorite fruit? Text uh-huh. us in and tell us why. Yeah, but tell he- us why. Here's the interesting thing. I didn't like mangoes to my late teens. I really hated the smell of them, but I love mangoes. The other ones I love are blueberries as well. Well, oh, I ate a yeah. part of the blueberries yesterday. Yeah, blueberries yeah. are so young. Very good for antioxidants, yeah. aren't they? As well. But okay, so, so here's the grapes. Thing. Yeah, so helping your eyesight. Helping for your eyesight. So researchers in Singapore actually done studies on the health of older adults and the, and you know consumption of grapes. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's a team in National University of Singapore have actually found, catch this, that one and a half cups of grapes mm-hmm. per day for four months. Are enough to actually give improvement in the eye health. Wow. Isn't that incredible? That is like, awesome. And like my dad was a grower of grapes. Like we used to give out dozens of, oh, of bunches of grapes to people at church and friend, people in the neighborhood. So growing your own would be even better. But here's the thing. Grapes are actually a natural source of antioxidants. We just said that blueberries are great for antioxidants too. Natural source of antioxidants and they decrease antioxidative stress. Now what is antioxidative tre- stress? Well, it's actually when we get an imbalance between the body's production of what are called free radicals and I think we've heard a lot about free radicals too and the body's ability to actually detox and actually neutralise mm. you know, the antioxidants. Now here's the thing, the free radicals of course for those who may not know are the molecules that contain oxygen that actually help to give stability in our body. Mm. Okay, So those things are really important right across the board. So the question is like why... Why this study, right? right why this study? Well, the ge- degeneration of off- eyes is because it's often due to oxidative stress. They thought they'd look at this. And grapes are actually high in antioxidants. Mm. And the people in the trial actually, they actually trialed, they had, you know, those that were standard that actually didn't actually have any of the grapes, um, you know, and or that, or that amount of grapes. But basically, um, 
um, compared to those that were actually eating one and a half cups per day. Mm. Now, the interesting thing is that those that were on the trial that actually were eating the one and a half cups a day had a significant increase in what's called MPOD, which is macular pigment optical density. That's what it stands for. And also plasma antioxidant capacity. Mm. And, um, and basically, and phenolic compounds. So phenolic compounds actually are what actually have a protective effect against antioxidative stress and uh-huh. inflammation. So when you think about the fact that these actually all come, these three, three parts are really important and they were actually increased and improved in the eyes. It meant that as people are getting older, and that classifies Shill and I, you're getting older too, but you're a bit way behind us. And, and so <laughs> uh, here's, okay. the, here's the thing that basically, you know, as we get older, they're saying it's actually good for us to have more grapes. Now, here's the thing I know in our home, I'd be fighting for the grapes because my husband loves grapes. Oh, yeah. Like, he's, he's like you. So I've got to fight him almost for so it. So good. But those who actually did not actually have those one and a half cups a day had an in, a significant increase in a, what's called AGE, which is a harmful advanced um, form of um, acid-type products and a key risk factor for eye disease and antioxidant stress. So I, I thought it was interesting because AGE is... is is the word age, you know. Yeah, yeah. Watch out, watch so out for the AGE, guys. AGE, That'll really, really get right. you that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it actually affects, of course, the eye diseases and the retina and stuff like yeah. that. So I thought that was a really fascinating thing. And I think, you know, Psalm 105 4 says, keep your eyes open for God, watch his works. And I think he does want us open. You know, our eyes are so important in some mm. areas, but particularly also when we're reading the Bible, you know. Um, yes, we can listen, but yeah. Also, reading God's Word is really important. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Lawson, it's come time for us to have our next quiz question, please. Yes, our next quiz question is, and they said one one to another, behold, this dreamer cometh. That's from Genesis chapter 37 and verse 19. Who is the dreamer in this verse? So in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 19, and they said to one another, behold, this dreamer cometh. Who is the dreamer? If you know the answer to that one, hey, 0491-064-669 is the number to text. Now, we got our, we got our little, we got our clip working. We got our ad working. And here it is. This is what you can win. This is what our book that we are, that you can win as a result of winning our quiz is all about. He was a troublemaker, an angry kid with no reason to play by the rules. Then, on Halloween night, he got caught driving a getaway car loaded with cash, drugs, and guns. Now, 16-year-old Andrew Mitchell is going behind bars for a long, long time. Yet it was in solitary confinement that he first tasted true freedom. One copy of the Living Bible in the hands of this very bored teenager had an effect that no one in his life expected. Read the whole story in the book, Convicted. 
I love that. The title of the book, the title of the book is convicted because he he was was in jail. Yeah. But then he was, he was convicted of his sins and he was drawn to, you know, to, to give his life to, to Jesus by reading the Bible. This sounds like a fantastic story. And I love how that ad didn't have spoilers as well because we, well, it just says his life changed, but how? If you want to know how, hey, 0491 Again, that question was, and they said to one another, behold, this dreamer cometh. Genesis chapter 37 and verse 19. Who is the dreamer in this verse? And the clue is... Well, there has been a musical done on this. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I just, I, was, uh, I just read the clue. Okay. There has, there's been a musical done on this. No, no, amazing... for the answer, you've given yeah, the quiz yeah, yeah. question. I'm giving a clue. Uh, we give clues okay. sometimes. Okay. Yeah? yeah. Yeah. For sure. Cool. For sure. For sure. All right. The other quiz, the other prize is, of course, a trip into the supernatural by Roger Morneau. And as you were saying, you know, his background was that he was into those sort of things and, of course, um, gave his heart to the Lord and he's changed. What I love with his stuff is that he actually gives true life stories as well. He gives true life stories as well um, that mm. really describe what he is trying to convey to the readers. Hey, mm. and uh, and I love what you said earlier too that he talks about the victory you know in in Christ that we can have. So again, yes. that number is zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to text. Hey, we are going to be looking at a story this morning in our more current, more serious news uh, regarding school chaplaincy. And specifically, we're going to be looking at school chaplaincy in the state of Texas. Uh, And that is because more than 100 chaplains in Texas have signed a letter urging the local school boards of Texas to vote against replacing school counselors with religious chaplains in public schools. Wow. I think of the story that you shared some time ago. Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but, okay, so so let me set the scene here. So Mm -hmm. in Texas, there is a bill that is about to be passed. And that bill essentially says that public schools have the right to hire religious chaplains who can hold the place of school counsellors. And now, again, it is 100 school chaplains who are actually writing a letter against this change. Interesting. So they're saying, we don't want this change and we would rather this change not take place in Texas schools and we would rather Texas schools not um, repl- uh, not hire chaplains in place of school counselors. And what is their reasoning behind this? Yeah, so I, when I read this headline and when I read their actions, I was very, very perplexed because I'm like, doesn't this put you, doesn't this put you out of a job? But essentially, essentially it goes like this. So in, Texas to become a school chaplain. I, I looked this up. Oh, sorry, not a school chaplain, rather, but a school counselor. This is what you have to do. This is what you have to complete to become a school counselor. So you have to get some uh, type of education or training, what they call an approved EPP, plus hold a master's degree from an institution of higher education that is accredited by an accrediting agency as recognized by the Texas Higher Education Coordinating Board, plus 
complete a required test, plus have two years of classroom experience, classroom teaching experience in a public or accredited private school. So, so are they feeling that they're going to have to do all of these things? So, and is that their concern in this way, or where are they going? Because so, there's a beauty. Like, I think you know, if as a pastor, I'd be quite excited about the fact that they're wanting more chaplains in the school. Yeah, and in public school. So I was feeling the same way. So, <laughs> uh, uh, what we can see here is the process to becoming a school counselor is very stringent. Like yeah. there, there's there's lots of things that you need to do. In fact, it's it's more so than Australia. Here in Australia, well, my university, Avondale University, offers a, cha- a chaplaincy and a degree. It also offers a counselling degree. So yes. I have a number of friends doing a counselling degree. And you can go and you can do your counselling degree and then go and get a job in a school working as a school counsellor having done that bachelor's degree. This is saying that you need to do a master's degree and have teaching experience already mm. before you can then go into a school counsellor. Now, accepting chaplains into that role will reduce the amount of study that a person would need to do to end up in that role because they would just need to study, I believe, their bachelor's in counselling, uh, sorry, in chaplaincy, and then they could just go straight in. But then at the same time, so so what I find particularly interesting about this statement from this group of chaplains is at first they're like, oh, you know, th- there is less, uh, t- to be a school chaplain, there is less study that you need to do to be, you know, a chaplain in the army or a hospital or something like that. I'm like, okay, fair enough. But then they've also described this bill, the chaplains themselves are concerned that this bill will be a Trojan horse to evangelize the children. But I'm like, wait, hold on. Let me read the statement here that's released by them. And they said, public school, this is from the chaplains. So the, the, the Baptist uh, group of chaplains, this is their uh, official statement. They wrote this, public schools are not the place for religious instruction. That is best left to houses of worship, religious institutions, and families. Christian nationalism conflates religious and political authority, and our public schools should not be endorsing religion. They should continue to leave that up to the students and their families. School districts should reject this misguided effort to inject more religion and division in our schools. Wait, 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 wait. So they're saying that, I mean, what I really caught on is it saying we should just leave it to the students and their families and that basically, yeah, with this whole thing, they're saying that it's, it's, it's really not. They're essentially saying that if we teach Christ in public schools, it will cause division. That's right. I am so, this is, this isn't the, this isn't released by like the opponents of like, oh, Mm. like the the non-Christians. That's right. This isn't like the, the atheist society. It's actually the Christians saying This is the chaplaincy society saying there shouldn't be chaplains in public schools because teaching Christ will cause division. I read this and <laughs> I was perplexed, especially in Texas. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Come, come on, guys. Like, yeah, yeah. what is going on here? Yeah, I, yeah. And, and by the way, yes, I believe that there should be a space in which secular teaching is afforded to children. But even here in Australia, we have scripture taught in public schools and it is in an opt-in model. So the parents have the ability to decide yeah, it's whether it's called SRE. Yeah, whether their whether their children can go and learn scripture. And I think to have the opportunity to offer it to these kids, which 
as a former child myself who grew up in a non-Christian family, I wasn't attending public schools, attending private Christian schools, but still, like, I was so blessed that I was afforded the opportunity to hear about Christ in my school. Yep. And I feel like if you didn't see this as an opportunity to, to be able to, yeah, give children some exposure to Jesus, their you know, their God and their best friend and their, like, mm. and the ability to, to know him. And I, yes, in an appropriate setting that is opt-in by the parents, like all of these different things. I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, forcing kids to do religious instruction and da, 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 da. Like, yeah, let's respect parents and their wishes to the ways that they want to, that they want to raise their children. And I'm also not saying like completely remove school counselors and replace them all with chaplains either. I'm like, have both. Have yes. both, but yes, I am just, there is place for both. I, I'm just kind of worried here because I'm like, do these do these school chaplains not want to share Christ? <laughs> is, do they do they not believe in sharing Christ with children? Isn't that isn't that their job? Like, I this is such an interesting story. Would love to so know pleasant. how you guys feel about this. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, and I wholly and solely believe that yeah, any opportunity that we have to share Christ, we should take it. So, guys, let us know what you think. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Lawson, it's time for our next quiz question, please. Number three for today. This is a very interesting question. Here we go. What modern-day nation, with its capital at New Delhi, marked the eastern extent of King Xerxes' nation? We're diving Mm. into some very amazing history. So if you guys know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669. Again, that question was, what modern-day nation, with with its capital of New Delhi, marked the eastern extent of King Xerxes' nation. 0491-064-669 is the number to text if you know the answer to that one. And if you text the correct answer, you'll win two books. Firstly, Convicted, the amazing story of juvenile kid, yeah, yeah, who ended all the way up in in jail, life falling apart, but then you know being convicted of of the truth. And then furthermore, Roger Moore knows a trip into the supernatural. His story of how yeah his his exposure to supernatural things, but then furthermore the way that God was able to reach him out of that. Again, our number zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. What modern day nation with its capital of New Delhi marked the eastern extent of King Xerxes Nation. We now come time for our interview, and we have on the phone none other than Justin Lawman to share with us all things politics and prophecy. Justin, are you there with us? Yeah, hi Lawson. Are you are you well, mate? I hear you've been sick. Oh yeah, yeah just mate, just sick of sick of being in the breakfast show studio. No. Right? Sick, of, <laughs> sick of these guys. No, no, come on, just come kidding, on. just kidding. No, I've, I have been unwell, but. Hey, such is life, you know, just, just getting through, grinding through. At least I can come back into the studio now. My, uh, my voice is well enough that I can get through sentences without, uh, coughing and, and spluttering and, and falling apart. Okay. So that's, so that's, you know, we're, we're taking steps. We're taking steps. We're, we're getting there. And, um, hey, look, man, hopefully by time November comes around when I, when I'll come down to, come down to Canberra where, where, around where you're situated. When I see you down there, that's I'll right. be, I'll be, I'll, 100% I'll be there, fine. mate. I'll be there. Yeah. I'll be there. Good 
good. Uh, it'll be good. It'll be good. It'll be good. Hey, what are we going to be talking about today? Politics, prophecy. What's happening in that space? Well, there's so much happening. What What do we want to talk about today? There's a thousand things, but the the war in the Middle East, I think, is. Uh, I, I think I would love to talk about this because <sighs> this, absolutely. Well, this has heads from all over the world mm. turning towards it. You know, trying to understand what's going on there, but particularly, you know, from from a from a biblical standpoint, you know, you've got. Oh, man, every time there's mentions of war in the Middle East, you've got futurists and evangelicals, you know, rubbing their hands together, saying, oh, see, here we go, you know, the, the temple. Armageddon. Yeah, Armageddon. Yeah. So we, we really need to get some perspective on this. Like, what what is going on there? And how, how does it speak to what the Bible says? I tell you, there's a wonderful book that uh, I have at home on my shelf called The Israel Deception. And it's one of the best little books written uh, surrounding Israel's role in prophecy, particularly mm. as we've moved forward. And, uh, folks, it doesn't feature. That's the wow. bottom line. just doesn't feature. Um, they <laughs> there's a, uh, I've had an incoming call coming across the top of me there, but uh, <laughs> we're pl- they're playing with fire over there right now. The big concern that we should be looking at is how many other nations get engaged here. Yes. Mm. In fact, America's put two aircraft carrier battle groups. Now, that's all the, the destroyers and the submarines and everything coming in there, and two lots. And then you've got the British uh-huh. um, putting warships out there as well. They're seeing, they're looking over the hill and saying, well, Iran seemed to be involved in this. Uh-huh. They've got a Hezbollah up in the north of Israel that are a potent fighting force. Mm. These nations, Iran itself has got some very sophisticated weapons. Uh-huh. that that they, they've been involved in the um, supplying drones for Russia in the conflict with Ukraine. So this is really dangerous. And Erdogan, the, the prime minister of Turkey, has come out and said, you know, enough, Israel. You've done enough now. You need to get out of Gaza. Mm. And it seems to me that Israel, they have been so damaged by this emotionally mm. They're not stopping anytime soon. So we're playing with fire. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like, it just seems as though two unstoppable forces in the sense of, you know, people who are, there is, there is, there seems to be no deterrence between Israel and Palestine to, to stop the conflict. Like, both of them ultimately want to win. And so, therefore, I, I feel as though the outcome of that kind of mentality is just either on one side or the other side or for both sides is huge damage and death. I don't think there's any going back to normal now. Yeah. The 2006 uh, Hamas took over control of the, of Gaza. They, they got their independence, so to speak. Uh-huh. Uh, that's not going to happen again now. I, I think Israel is far too damaged emotionally here they are not going to take the foot off the pedal here and Mm. it's it's very bad that the people the little kids on both sides i just was so upset last week when the 
the details came out of what took place mm. in that uh, initial attack that they made on the, the end of the Yom Kippur and the Sabbath, and they, they doubled down on 50 years. It was all a big plan thing. Um, that's now, I don't know if they, they really thought that through or whether that's a part of their calculation. They don't care, but the consequences now for the poor people in Gaza are horrendous. Yeah. And that's going to get poured on the head. If Hezbollah get involved from the north, we could very quickly see a conflict that involves the United States and Iran. And mm. that's my fear. Mm. Yeah. And the, the fault lines that are cracking in the West with what's happened with this between left and right, but it's never that neat in our, our age is never any, like you've got the, the LGBTQ community supporting, uh, Gaza and the independence of Palestine where they would be murdered if they turned up there. Like yeah. it, it, wow. th- th- this is, this is a crazy world we live yeah. in, man. Everything is spinning crazy, crazy. And we're really living at the end of Earth's history, I tell you. Yeah, well, that's a particularly interesting point because historically, whether Republican or, or, or Democrat, the U.S. government has very much supported Israel, uh, Israel's ideals, and you know, and and really propped up the country since it's you know since the 1940s and and the the big return there. And so, for for both sides here of of the political spectrum in terms of governmentally, like that, like Joe Biden is would would be all in to support Israel but then simultaneously his his constituents and, and a lot of the voter base would would disagree and so there is yeah very much that rift between the American people or at least a lot of those who would consider themselves like hardcore supporters of of the Democrats and Joe Biden and whatnot because it's well, yeah yeah do Islam in in politics in the United States, uh, the members of Congress and the Senate that are Islamic are, are all on the Democratic side. And you'll get places like England, but Birmingham, where my ancestry is there on my mum's side, that's there's a million uh, Islamic worshippers in in that whole area. There, it's the the fault lines within the West are not as neat as they might have been once upon a time. Yes, and this is leading to lots of turmoil internally in countries. Mm. There's a great the British are sending destroyers, and there's massive protests against Israel in their streets. That's yeah. new. That that's. This is the world we're living in. It's very, it's very confused and fault lines run down places that you wouldn't expect. Mm. And I'm, what I am saying today, and again, I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. Um, Israel's role in biblical prophecy doesn't, it's not there like people want to make out it is. If you're Christ, you are Abraham's seed. Yeah. And heirs according to the promise. So the nation that was formed in 1948 does not feature in Bible prophecy, and that's mm. a bigger that's a bigger discussion you have. But get the book, the Israel Deception. It's a Bible study on this issue. It's awesome. It's yeah. an awesome book. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to just ask a question of you, Justin, about that particular 
topic because obviously Israel features within the Bible itself. I mean, it's 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 Israel that God establishes to be the the group in which Christ would come through, the Messiah would come through, and then we see Israel's destruction in in seventy A.D. that came as a result of their ultimate rejection of Christ. Why why is it that they would then not feature within Bible prophecy? Like, what if if they had such a prominent role within biblical events beforehand? And and it seems as though within Revelation there is some language you use that is very Israel esque, um, which evangelicals take on board to refer to a literal Israel and the rebuilding of a literal third temple and, and these kinds of things. Why is it that yeah. we would disagree with that? Daniel 9 is probably the best answer. And mm. in the, the, the covenant that was made with Abraham and was continued, that prophecy of Daniel 9 is about the, the arrival of the Messiah. It, it's really in the Old Testament here in Daniel's day, they're predicting the arrival of Jesus, basically. Mm-hmm. And, but they, they're given, it says a week after or seven years, from the arrival of uh, the final week in this prophecy, the arrival of the Messiah, to confirm the covenant. Mm. Now, when that that ended, that opportunity in 34 AD, according to this prophecy, yeah. and Stephen is stoned as the last martyr, and you see Jesus is standing. Mm. Anytime he, he's always seated in the New Testament while mm. he's in heaven, but he's standing here mm. because that's, when Michael stands up in Daniel 12, that's, that's, that's judgment. That's mm-hmm. that final thing. And from there on in the book of Acts, um, the, the mission goes to the Gentiles in such an acute way, but within by a hundred years, there's over a million Gentile believers. Yeah. Wow. Now, Jewish people, Gentiles, as we define them in the Old Testament, they're all equal in God's eyes and he loves them all and wants to save them all. But Israel's status as the covenant people of God, when Messiah was rejected, they are no longer, according to the New Testament, the covenant people. The way Mm. I belong to the covenant is not through circumcision and Mm. birth, but through rebirth and baptism Mm. and putting my faith in Jesus. That's how I belong to, that's how I'm part of the new covenant. The old covenant has ended. Yeah, which which Justin, um, with that one, often we can tend to refer to Jesus as the the real Israel, don't we? The true Israelite, yeah. Um, and he he says, "I am the way, That's the right. truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me." Mm. Uh, there's no the the sacrificial system of the Old Testament was overridden it was a shadow and the reality is christ in the book of hebrews and and so now we follow the messiah and we're part of israel when we're part of jesus Mm. and it's not your genetics it's not your uh genes that determine whether you're part of that or not it is your faith Mm. your faith in christ yeah absolutely and thus you know ultimately a people group who were called to bring forth the Messiah into the world. But yeah, this, this, their role has ultimately ended and that featuring in Bible prophecy, again, it's, it's not that, yeah, that, that idea that 
well, for, particularly from a future futurist or an evangelical perspective, that oh yes, there will be groups of Jews at the end of time who will be running around evangelizing oh. of God and these kinds of things, and and you know that that focus on Israel is just yeah, a, a temple of wood and brick and mortar just isn't the it's not the thing that's going to bring about Jesus is coming no. back. And a good way to think, we use the word New Testament. The, the word testament, your will and testament is really your covenant. Mm. It's, mm. it's, it's the new covenant and the old covenant. And mm. it's ironic to me, it's ironic to me that the, the carnage we saw a couple of weeks ago now, mm. it was Old Testament. Mm. This mm. whole annihilation of even babies. Mm. in villages it's horrendous stuff we're not used to this in our age but back in the day that was something that human nature hasn't really changed and uh Mm. the the restraining influence of the holy spirit is not on these people when they're doing this wicked stuff evil stuff Mm. absolutely hey justin thank you so much for joining us this morning Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.